Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels, your book club for movies. I'm Josh. I'm Garrett. And I'm Dr. Alan Grant. <laughs> this is the final week of So Many Scares, and the fans chose Scream for us to watch. The movie that one letterbox reviewer called insanely ahead of its time. Wes Craven, the master of horror, gave us one of the smartest, scariest, and most meta-slasher movies of all time, and we also felt the movie only got better with age. Plus, we talk about how everyone apparently has a trauma-related story involving babysitters and horror movies. We talk about it all today on our final episode of So Many Scares. Yep, we got all that and more this week on So Many Sequels. Be sure to check us out online at sequels.com. Follow us on whatever your favorite social media platform is. And subscribe wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Uh, so without any further ado, enjoy our last week of So Many Scares and our review of Scream. How's everybody doing? As of this recording, it is Devil's Night, yes. mm-hmm. Halloween Eve. Yes. How's everybody doing? Are we yes. feeling spooky? Uh, David, you have your costume on. Yep. I have my costume on, supporting. Yep. I'm a Texas Ranger. That's what I am right now, yeah. repping the World Series. I guys. saw you and Kat had your Texas Ranger couples costume. Yeah. Oh, that looked good. good. Yeah. There was a miscommunication yeah. there. She dressed up as a Texas Ranger, and I dressed up as a as Texas a Texas Ranger. Ranger. But um, you know, very funny, very funny, good stuff. <laughs> it's a good class. Never got classic to do any of that kind up. of couple costume kind of thing. Oh, you could. Well, were some other people? Was there like a uh, was was there uh, were there similar mistakes? There was a witch and a doctor. Mm. Oh, witch mm. doctor. I like that. That's a witch yeah, doctor. Like that. uh, there was a couple who everybody thought was mimes at first, but instead they were French kiss. And their face paint was that of a KISS member, mm. and they had, like, French flags and berets. So oh, it, was very, it was very clever, but it layered. was a little too niche. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was layered, but it was a little too niche. Mm. High, yeah, high intellectual yeah. thinking. Mr. You Highbrow. Know, when, when, I, when we go into costumes... <laughs> this is a good reference. <laughs> when we go into costumes, uh, it is mostly about what do we mm. have or what is comfortable. Mm. You know, those are the goals. The other mm. option that Both we were going to do was uh, yin and yang, and that involved sweatpants and, like, a piece of That's felt. Easy. And that yeah. was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was great. Uh, but it? then we were like, we have this, and then we had all our stuff, so we were like, Texas Rangers. Bingo. Right now, we are in, uh, I say we, but uh, my wife is enjoying the three to four years we're going to get of having family costumes, because eventually Jack will not want to do family costumes. He'll be like, right. no, my parents are lame, not doing that. And then it's back to I want to be my own thing. So last David year, you guys may remember, we were a dragon, a knight, and a mm-hmm. uh, and a witch. Yes. Year before that, we were the greatest show. I was a I was a uh, ring ring leader, ringmaster, whatever. Show. Nikki was a clown, and Jack was a elephant. Who was oh, Dumbo elephant. specifically? Yes. Um. So yeah, that was fun. This year, we're going as a, they're going they're dinosaurs, and I'm dinosaur aficionado dr alan grant from jurassic park did you originally nice. i was gonna go as nerdry nice, 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 nice. i was gonna go as wayne knight's character nerdry nice. that'd be good um i can't remember why i decided oh but the but nikki um decided she was gonna change to being something else so it ended up not it wasn't gonna work anyway that's all i got josh i know you uh you're, you're kind of uh you're kind of like a jim from the office you kind of look for the easy <laughs> easy route to costume i do right? typically look for the easy route because i uh don't ever think about it until october 30th typically um because i'm yeah. not the kind of person who i don't want to like invest a lot of money into it you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i also like to go with well what do i have well you know not too much so i just kind of hem yeah. and haw until i end up finding something like if i have a reason you know it's not every year. i don't dress up every year anyway uh, I don't mm-hmm. have any plans this year to really dress up, but in years past, I've been able to find something to uh, hobble together fast enough to uh, 
count as a costume, I think. So yeah, I, I appreciate the spectrum of creativity in people's costumes. Some people go all out. Some people yeah. keep it simple. I like it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the people who do who go crazy. You know what I really like? Um, um I was thinking about this just the other day. I like and I miss the homemade costumes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I, I say this because I saw a picture the other day of a kid who was a Ninja Turtle, but it was clearly a homemade Ninja Turtle costume where he like had a mm-hmm. box nice. on his back, painted yeah. like a painted like a shell. And I was like, that's cool. You could go to Target and, and buy a Ninja Turtle costume, but it's still going to not be as cool at the end of the day as yeah. something you made. I think too, it's too commercialized. I think you have to have a warm and or climate controlled Halloween to go all out on that. I remember as a kid, yep. uh, I had very cold Halloweens. And one year I had a very homemade costume um, where it was a lot of body paint. You know, my mom just like painted me to mm-hmm. look like what I was dressed as. And I, I had pants, but, you know, it was just kind of like that. And so I went out and I was like, yeah, look at me. I'm whatever I was. I don't actually even remember. But freezing, very cold. Had to wear a jacket, which basically covered up the whole the whole point. Yep. So. Um, I like to do like a little bit of effort, you know, uh, my wife did make homemade, make me a homemade, uh, where's Waldo costume the other uh, year where she took a, nice. a white shirt and painted red stripes on it, which almost worked, but it was very stiff after the paint tried. Yeah. So I, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. That's a good idea so, though. You guys been watching any, any uh, scary movies oh, lately? Yes. Hmm. What are we even seeing? Uh, do you do you have a, or anything in general, but mostly scary? What's uh, what's outside the uh, so many? Well, I always scares. want to hear from David first on these matters because he's not a scary movie guy. So have you uh, taken any more dives into this into the spooky? I have not. I have, not. have I, not. I had goals too. I wanted to watch Doctor Sleep, having now seen, um, having now seen The Shining. But uh, just never really quite made time. The only movie, only new movie or or scary movie I've watched is today's film. So I'll I'll defer to you guys. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I I did watch a few. I tried to turn up my uh, consumption of horror movies this week, knowing that I was running out of time. You know, I wasn't really feeling it up until a couple of days ago for some reason. So I've been trying to make up for it. I did. Uh, almost immediately after we recorded last week's episode, watch uh, the Shinning Simpsons episode, Treehouse of Horror. It was very good. Five and stars. Very, Five stars. Just very good to, to watch right after the movie and talking about it, because oh. then I really could catch a lot of the references that I otherwise wouldn't have. So, And then that whole episode's just gold. Um, so, yes. You know, they always do two two or three stories in each Treehouse of Horror, and all of them were bangers. So, highly recommend that episode. Yeah. David. Something on that. Something on that. On that. That. That note. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a, a cartoon they made um, last year called Cars on the Road. It's Lightning McQueen and and Mater, uh-huh. and it's like a little eight episode series where they go on a road trip. Second episode, they say at a haunted house that is just chock full of Shining references, but in the Cars universe. So oh. maybe not as funny as The Shining, but I also was inundated with Shining references fresh after seeing The Shining. Didn't know that was going to happen, funny. but funny. I also watched um, a couple. So the this the way the way this whole uh, voting thing worked out uh, worked out pretty much in my favor, no matter what, because I watched. The other two movies that were up in the finals to vote for anyway, uh, just in oh, preparation yeah. of maybe one of them would get picked, and then I just wanted to. So I watched Friday yeah. the 13th, and I watched Totally Killer. Uh, Friday the hmm. 13th I'll talk about first, just because it's the classic. You know, it's it's kind of rough to, <laughs> to watch today. It, it's one of those movies where you go, oh, I see, the, I see what it is did the impact that it had that it's left and the influence it made but it itself is not particularly very good <laughs> um it does have kevin is... bacon in it though which is fun people forget wow. about that it's that. in one of his very first roles yeah kevin think. bacon Second is a uh, young little young he's the johnny depp of uh friday the 13th um it has one of the all-time twists in my opinion that 
is so good that I'm I'm not even going to say it for this 1980 movie, just in case you don't know what it is. <laughs> it's a great one. So there's a lot that there's a lot that is that is good about it, kind of like The Shining, but it's still not great. Isn't and it, told, it oh, crazy that they came out the same year as The Shining? Yeah. Yeah. You're right, because they came out in 1980 as well, didn't it? I think so. I was trying to think as you were saying it, and I think that's right, or very close to it, if not. I think The Shining was in the 70s, but it, I mean, oh, same, roughly the same true. period. Um, I also watched Totally Killer, which is a new movie that's out now on Amazon Prime that stars um, Kieran Shipka, who people might know from, I think she was in that Sabrina, Sabrina the Teenage Witch Netflix show and mad men i think she did that as well so Mm -hmm. it's you guys shouldn't be too upset (laughs) that it didn't get picked (laughs) is what i'm gonna say oh no it ended up at two and a half for me because there was an it was like an a for effort situation where um you guys will both know because we've talked about this movie before uh happy death day it's very reminiscent to happy death day but like done so much worse so mm. it also involves mm. a time travel element, though it's not the exact same situation. So in this in this one, Kieran Shipka plays a girl who basically goes gets the opportunity to go back in time to stop her mother from being murdered by a serial killer before she's I don't know. It was weird. Whereas in Happy Death Day, you know it's about her. Right. Not dying so yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily <laughs> it's been all over my letterbox though a lot of people are reviewing it mm-hmm. it have been mm-hmm. it's it's been popular so i don't it. know what other i don't know what other people thought of it but that that's where i was left with it and then uh just the nice. other day i rewatched x which is a movie that came out last year mm-hmm. starring uh mia goth it's at one of those mm-hmm. a24 weird movies and it's another movie that that I am kind of torn on because it's got weird pacing to me, but it's a three star movie. Yeah. So I want to see that in Pearl. Pearl is better. Two. I like Pearl more. I don't. Again, I don't know if that's a common thought, but that's how I feel. Uh, so that's my that's my little horror recap of the week. Uh, what have you been watching, Garrett? I finished up Dr. Sleep. Uh, I had been in the middle of it as we were talking about The Shining and had to take a break because we were doing the recording that day. Um, I finished it, and I really enjoyed it. I think that it is a good follow-up. Again, I don't know much about the book or how much it takes away from it, but it gives you a little more helpful background to The Shining and and the connection and the elements of it. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I also watched Young Frankenstein, which is an mm. amazing, wonderful classic um, with Gene Wilder, um, Madeline Kahn, uh, Cloris Leachman. It's just absolutely amazing. David, have you seen that one? I feel like well, that's one that I, you could go either way with. No, I haven't seen it, but uh, it's Mel Brooks, so I assume it's hilarious. Um, yes. You know, it's one of those ones you haven't really gotten around to making time for, but, uh, but I think mm. I will soon enough. I like uh, most Melbourne stuff. Yeah, Yeah, it's truly amazing. Um, And then uh, just now on on Devil's Night, I continued my tradition of watching The Crow. Uh, I watch it Ah. every year on October 30th. um, Carved some pumpkins, uh, made some Mm -hmm. jack-o'-lanterns, and and, and enjoyed Brendan Lee's final movie. How many years you know The Crow? Yeah. How many? You know, I was wondering that too. I I do not know when it actually started. I would say I've been doing it for at least ten years. And and, and no no breaks. You ten ten through, huh? Pretty Dang. much, yeah. That's a solid. You know, that's a solid I don't watch it outside point. of that. I never really watch it any other yeah. time. I usually just try to make a time for it. If I don't watch yeah. it, um, then I try to watch it like the day before, or the day after. You know, I usually watch it. Um, yeah. Just. To keep it going, I enjoy it. We haven't talked about this in a while. That is a totally Garrett movie, The Crow. Yeah, yeah. Why do you say that? I need to really reanalyze it. Well, you know, I don't know what Garrett's top four are, but Garrett's top four movies really should be. It's been in there. The Crow's in there. Good Burger, Crank Two, The Crow, and something else. 
Not what sure was what the that other one? fourth movie. The Good Burger, Crank Two, The Crow, something else. Mm. I don't know. No. Okay, right now, it's Good Burger. It I think Good Burger, Clue, um, hmm. The Crow's in there sometimes. And Back to the Future. Hmm. Hmm. No, you. No. I, we we've spent a lot of time with you, Garrett. As I've said before, your brain is in two halves. It's Good Burger and Crank, and I'm not really <laughs> sure at any given That's moment where the which at. one. At any given moment, which one or the other is running the show, but uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, the crow's yeah, good. I haven't seen the crow in a long time. Up, you know, yeah, I'm too afraid to bring it up in the in the so many scares because it's not necessarily scary, right. but you know, sometimes it's uh, you don't want to you don't want to subject something you oh, love yeah. to to Halloween stuff. You just want to enjoy that in private. Sometimes, sometimes we watched the craft good. this year, and that wasn't necessarily scary. It was just good. Right, that's true. right. That's true. That's no, true. You're, you're totally right. But now we're getting into our fan pick, yeah. which is mm-hmm. very exciting. They did us, yep. they didn't do us dirty, and I'm happy about that. No, you know, honestly, I was, I was only going to be worried. I think if it was totally killer, because I, I was, I don't even know what to say about it. To be honest with you, uh, <laughs> part of me was rooting for Friday the Thirteenth because it would be cool. To, it's a, it's a franchise we haven't touched before, but mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the people chose scream for us to watch this week and to talk about for our halloween episode so that's what we're doing tonight uh we're going to talk about scream the 1996 wes craven movie that created a new uh killer icon out of Ghostface. Mm-hmm. introduced uh, a real comedic element into horror that hadn't really been there before and just continued this renaissance of 90s slasher films there's a lot to there's a lot to, to talk about in scream it's got a lot of sequels so many one might even say they and they continue to make them so many yeah they're still rolling yeah. seems to be yeah so ongoing franchise ongoing franchise a successful, successful tv show yes. i've actually heard it's good too i've never watched it i've heard but that I too heard I've heard, no i have not show that aired on you know, tv of all places it was good but yeah. I would say not too many sequels at this point. No, I'm not tired. You look of at them. something. You you look at something like Saw that came out just like five years later, and that has like ten movies in its in its franchise. There's only like six Saw Scream movies, isn't that right? Uh, I think they're at seven, yeah. or is that the one they're making? They're about to be at seven. Okay, there, seven is making. coming out. Yeah, got it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so let's just let's just get into it. This is this is a movie everyone's. I say everyone. Most people, anyone watching this show is probably well aware of. We will spoil it. You have to, to really talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys have any kind of, like, connection to Scream? Did you watch it growing up? When did you first so. kind of interact with Scream and Ghostface? Uh, I have a deeply, deeply immense connection to Scream. Um, guys, we've never talked he about it. He is ghost-faced. He's ghost-faced. We've never talked about this, I don't think. I've never had a chance to bring it up. I always thought one day we're, we're, we're going to talk about Scream. But Scream is the origin of my fear of horror films. Uh, I was seven years old at my babysitter's with four or five other kids, and they said, hey, let's watch Scream. And so mm-hmm. me, I think I was the youngest one there, uh, I was subjected to this as a seven-year-old. I don't get the satire. I don't get the comedy, the commentary. I get the horror of all of the things, the things that were going on in this movie. I was so scared of being stabbed. When that, when I, I think we've, I think it's been determined that probably the guy in the bathroom wasn't really Ghostface. It was just another person playing a prank. But when that guy steps off of the toilet in the bathroom, as a kid, I thought I'm never going in the bathroom again. That's exactly where a murder will hide. Um, I just remember being a kid and just being like, uh, uh, horrified of this movie. I look terrible without a beard, by the way. It's very offsetting. But um, for the for the audio listeners, I shaved for this costume. It, it irrevocably made me an absolutely not kind of person when it comes to horror. Um, good follow over on Threads is Hey Sugar Cinema. They uh, they're a fun uh, podcast and blog about movies. They did a list of the top seven types of horror movie uh, watchers. Uh, at the very bottom was the absolutely nots, and that's where I have fallen for a long time. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, 
I've, I, it scared me to death between this and Titanic. I was like, these are, those are like the scariest movies to me. Um, when I was, when I was younger. So yeah, I, I was really, um, looking forward to revisiting this to see if it was as scary as it was when I was a kid. And I'm glad to say that I actually have a greater appreciation for it now, uh, as a full grown adult. So there you go. That is great to hear. I did not know that this was your source of horror. I do want to, Garrett, do you have a a babysitter traumatizing you with a horror movie story? (laughs) Um, Kind of, actually. I I just needed to put room. Yeah, mine is The Sixth Sense. It wasn't necessarily a babysitter. It was my best friend at the time. His mom took us to see it. That's a guardian. In the theater. And I watched that movie with my eyes covered with my fingers basically trying to dig my eyes out and my thumbs slammed so hard into my ears that i felt my brain um it was so scary that's so funny i i I I had a conversation with someone today who said they had a babysitter who let them watch nightmare on elm street and it traumatized them and when Mm -hmm. i was a kid i had a babysitter who let me watch child's play and it traumatized me and then David tells his traumatizing babysitter story. Now I'm wondering if America's babysitters are just on a mission to horrify the children. That babysitter. A good endorsement for the babysitter on Netflix. <laughs> starring Samara <laughs> that, Weaving. That, that babysitter, shout out Morgan Brooks. She's never going to see this. Um, she uh, would allow me to watch American Gladiators, but I had to watch all of Days of Our Lives with her. So good that was... <laughs> That was one of my traumas there as well. It was I had to watch so much Days of Our Lives just to get 30 minutes of American Gladiators. Wow. Oof. All right. Well, Garrett, what's your I, connection um, to Scream? You know, I can't remember when I watched it because I was just looking it up and I didn't realize in my brain, this feels like a 1999 mm. movie. Like it feels like a 1999 mm-hmm. movie. So the fact that it came out in three years earlier is a little surprising to me now. Oh. Um, I was not a big fan of horror until... Later, I like the, some of the classics, so I'm going to compare a little bit of it to um, Freddy Krueger just because Freddy Krueger was someone that I <clears throat> really did like. I like that version of Wes Craven. I like that kind of snarky, smimy humor that he had as he kind of murdered his victims. And you get a lot of that in Scream. I think that like Freddy Krueger walked so Ghostface could run. This was such a more put-together thing. And you go back, you were talking about Friday the 13th earlier, Josh. You go back and you watch uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and while it's still good, you you still see why it impacts the horror genre and it has its esteem. But it's not, it's kind of rough to watch, right? You go back and watch Scream, and it is not rough to watch. It is pieced together. It is thought out. It is also, I thought, watching it, you know, that shine, it's like The Shining. They cast enough doubt on someone you absolutely know is the killer, but they do it in such a well-told way that you're like, how could it be until they reveal the ending at the very, you know, the way that they just take every question and then they have an answer for it until the big reveal. It's just such a smart, scary movie that honestly has gotten better over time. And you see why, Ghostface has become such a resurgence in such a positive way for the horror genre. I mean, again, a lot of these requels, what they did with, um, um, oh my God, Michael Myers was fant- fantastic, and this is on the same level, um, except Ghostface was always still good. <laughs> he never really got that bad. There were a few movies where it was like, eh, maybe not. But because they haven't gone and made 50 it's still overall seen as such a good franchise. Good for them. Yeah, and I well, think part, part of uh, what, we'll talk about that in a minute. Well, I was going to say part of what helps them get away with that, I think, so easily is that they continue to lean into how self-aware the movie is. Uh, even coming back to this movie, it's pretty self-aware that it's a horror movie, right? Like we get deeper into it as the franchise rolls on and the stab movies come out, things like that. But even in this film, you have uh, Matthew Lillard and and um, Jamie Kennedy's characters who are who are high school film buffs and are always talking about all the horror uh, tropes and, and things like that to look out for. And it's a thematic element of the of the killer. And that's what I love about it. 
I think that's what has made me come to appreciate it uh, growing up. Because I have always really liked Scream. I do remember it being scary, but I also was Ghostface for Halloween when I was like seven or eight. So I remember liking it enough to want to be him for Halloween. Yet I also remember being scared of it. So it's not something I watched frequently until I got to be a little less scared of it. And then, yeah, like I said, as I start to really think about movies and storytelling and I can think beyond just watching it like a kid, I appreciate it so much more because of... It's like Wes Craven being this master of horror that he is, is now making this meta movie about horror that's also... It's self-referential, but also pushes the whole genre forward. I I love Scream. (laughs) It's very good. I know. I look forward to watching the other ones a lot more now, too. Yeah. Um, Killer cast uh, of people who are... It's like the perfect time for these people, too. Yes. Um, Yeah. Nev Campbell really cements herself as as a new Scream queen of the 90s. David Arquette is such a great comic relief. Courtney Cox is huge right now in 96 with Friends. She's also just so good in this role of a pushy reporter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, even Jamie Kennedy is good in this Mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we can say that. I, I I thought about it beforehand, and I was like, I think I'm yeah. comfortable saying Jamie Kennedy is very good in this movie. I think it helps that, like, this is the least, like, in, in a lot of ways, it's the least Jamie Kennedy he is in a movie. Like, it's a little bit more, yeah, you know, the weird impressions always get me. Um, you know, it's kind of incredible how just... You give a you give an actor a different character, and they actually do a, a really interesting job. Skeet Ulrich here very different than Skeet Ulrich in the Craft, which we watched the uh, just a few weeks ago, which came out the same year as very this movie. Very different, and all of a sudden, Skeet sucks. Ulrich, yeah, well, still a bad guy, still just still, a man trying to get laid. That's, that's all, all he is. is just a man trying to get laid. Just a man trying to get laid. Much more, more what, uh, but much better, I think. For, I think much better from a performance uh, aspect. Uh, much better from a, he's he is intimidating in his role. Um, I thought that his chemistry uh, with Nev was always very interesting in this. Uh, it's a well written. I mean, it's well written. Not to say the craft wasn't, but the character Skeet has in that is written to be a dullard, and it's just disinteresting most of the time. But here he's written as a very dist- you know like you're you're meant to not trust him. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, but you're also right. questioning whether or not you should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's start where, where this movie opens, which is one of one of its most iconic moments already out the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. it, it's important to remember at the time when this came out, people didn't realize Drew Barrymore wasn't in it. You know what I mean? It was a surprise mm-hmm. for her to be killed off early in the film and then genuinely not come back. So mm-hmm. I, I love that subversion of, of the audience. Well, and how famous Drew Barrymore was, right? Like, of all those people, I feel like she was, you know, maybe next to uh, Courtney Cox at the time in 1996. Drew Barrymore was mm-hmm. way high. Yeah. And... I mean, I think she, she was featured... She was featured heavily in the promotions. She's the face on mm-hmm. the poster that's like, like you would think. Is Drew Barrymore? Yeah, movie, and I think this is, not, and I don't think this is a knock to the franchise. Uh, it might be one, but I think in a lot of ways, the franchise as a whole is still trying to capture the, I guess, the level of of, of legend that is just this opening sequence. With the do you like scary movies, the popcorn, the back and forth, and then just the utter terror and chaos of this opening sequence. Um, And uh, the way that fans have gone back and reanalyzed, okay, like, 
how did they pull this off? Which one, you know, are, you know, was it both of them? Was it just one of them? Uh, and how, you know, who's where at which point, which one, you know, is this ghost face and which one's the other one um, between Billy and uh, Stu. And so, yeah, it's, an, it's an iconic scene. I mean, I, I saw it referenced so many in so many times in so many ways. There was a really funny uh, reference that they did for Cartoon Network with Velma and Shaggy or with, uh, uh, excuse me, Daphne and Shaggy. Um, that you guys may or not may not remember, but uh, if not, I'll, I'll send it to you guys later. But it's a really funny little spoof that uh, that they did for Cartoon Network, um, and yeah, and it's it's perfect. And I mean, to this day, you hear references to do you want to you know do you like scary movies? Do you like scary movies? Right, the whole thing. Um, yeah, I, crazy uh, little uh, crazy start to the film. Well, I mean, it truly is one of the best opening scenes that you can imagine in a horror movie because again. To be brave enough to kill off one of the biggest A-list stars of the time, like genuinely, absolutely kill them off, it gives that franchise that um, feeling that anything can happen. Mm-hmm. They're it, it, willing to kill off that person in the first five minutes. Like, and what it, it just is gets, this gonna do? It just gets right into it. There's no establishing of any other characters to start with. It's just immediately you're in the thing you the thing you came to see which was a scary slasher flick you're in it immediately right um yep. and it's also layered in there with all this commentary about scary movies you know about uh friday the 13th and and, and uh, michael myers and all that stuff right um so you know what the nailed it you know what the key of that the the iconic scene of the intro with the phone call and and that scene itself not only does it stand on its own, but it intensifies the first phone call with Nev Campbell in this movie. It mm-hmm. Because we, as the audience, know already what this killer is capable of. Yeah, he of. killed Drew Barrymore. Why it. wouldn't he kill Nev Campbell? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, the viciousness that he's done. And, and so we already know that he has played this game before. And Nev Campbell mm-hmm. is playing into the game yeah. right and so you're you're seeing her try to stand up and be brave and call the bluff but Fall on the other the side you're thinking no 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 he's already done this like mm-hmm. she doesn't know that this is the same thing right and so then that reveal whenever he ends up behind her you're not only tense that somebody's gonna be on the porch and then you get that little bit of relief but then, boom! They—that's when they get you—is on that is on the downside mm-hmm. of that, and then they—that's the best kind of scare, right? Yeah, you're, you're so tense because of this, and then you think you're safe, and then boom! It's an actual scare. It's, it's always not like right a jump there. Scare to kind of fake out. It's like an actual scare on that downside, and that really uh, made that phone call scene just so even even more wonderful than. Um, not, maybe not more wonderful than the opening scene, but um, even scarier. It's a great, it's a great escalation, you know, because they establish the mo, the phone call, right? And so now every phone call that happens from, you know, at, after that opening scene, you're scared, you're terrified of what's, you know, who, who, what he's going to say. And then, um, I want to talk about Ghostface as a presentation because, um, I. Correct me if I'm wrong. Generally speaking, Ghostface is kind of a different person in most of the movies, right? I mean, I'm sure somebody reprises their role as Ghostface at some point, but in Scream 2, it's different people. In Scream 3, it's different people. It's not Billy and Stu again. But I love that Ghostface, compared to other horror villains, is so, like, fallible. Like, Michael Myers, Jason, you never really see them run. They just slowly saunter to where they're going and ghostface Stu and billy they're hauling to get to people they're full sprint and they just they fall they get hit they get punched they get knocked over and you just see them just like like uh get punked on a regular basis by some of these people now eventually yeah they do get the they they get the the the, the final move in but uh it's just so it was so interesting as a kid to just feel like they had a chance to get away like with with some killers in these movies, you feel like they got no chance. They're these huge, massive people, or like Freddy, they're supernatural or something. But you're watching Nev fight, and she's got a chance. He's on the ground. Go, go, you know. Well, that's uh, I just thought that was. That's usually the idea, though, right? Because even with a with a Michael Myers type movie, 
yeah, he doesn't run around and fall all over them, but he's so slow and lumbering that you're always like, why aren't you running? He'll never yeah. catch you. So there's always get that up, element of the audience should feel that, I think. I think it's mm-hmm. intentional that the audience should feel, oh, my God, get away. Um, mm. But also, no, it's a great it's a great critique that I think is is intentional for that reason, that Ghostface is so clumsy. And he remains well, and, clumsy like throughout. He he's yeah. He's stabbing he's stabbing with such force that he like goes completely through a door. Um mm-hmm. he he's very clumsy to the point where it makes you wonder, man, how did he pull off the Drew Barrymore thing so perfectly? Well, <laughs> I maintain that whenever Ghostface is clumsy, it's Stu, because Stu mm. is so like erratic and wobbly like this. And the actual person who goes in for the kill on Drew Barrymore's character is Billy because, and actually this is upheld by, I sent you guys a video about with this guy who, who does these breakdowns. Um, if you pay attention, sometimes Ghostface uses one hand to stab like this. And he says, that's Billy. Hmm. When he slashes and when he uses two hands, that's Stu. And because uh, Stu talks about slicing and how to gut things and, Billy's clearly just more forceful and more, you know, mean with how he does stuff. So, yeah, I, whenever he's being clumsy, I think it's Stu falling all over the stairs and getting knocked down and stuff like that. Billy takes a few hits, too. He gets smacked in the head with a bottle. Um, but, you know, I, I just think it's really interesting to try to figure out as you're watching, too, which one's which. Yeah. Because yeah, you... that was a big twist, too, I think, uh, uh, was that it was two guys and not one. Right. That mm-hmm. was a twist. And that's another thing that yeah. makes Ghostface in the overall franchise a, a fun character. Um, who is Ghostface is a, the central question of every Scream movie. Um, mm-hmm. And that makes it a fun uh, It's a fun element. You at least know, well, I don't know who Ghostface is in this new Scream movie until I watch it. So, uh, and that's, you know not known yet obviously in this movie but it is a twist yes that there wasn't one but two and that they were their own friends mm-hmm. yes of course they'd be the ones who know all about horror right and you know um something that uh uh you know matthew lillard and skeet Ulrich, i saw an interview with them the other day where they were talking about um they were talking about scream and the anniversaries and all that stuff and uh, there is, um, so I don't know if you guys have ever seen. So I watched a lot of Criminal Minds for like four or five years. Okay. I just got really into it. And I don't know. I'm not going to claim that everything they say on Criminal Minds is 100% accurate when it comes to psychological behavior. But I assume they got a few things right. Um, and apparently they did get a couple things right. But um, but when you have a, a pair as killers, uh, something that they said that they always said was that w- within a pairing, you're going to have a dominant personality and a submissive personality. And having, having learned that and found out that that's usually true, um, you see it a lot in like brother pairings or something like that, um, or, or, or couples who kill people. There's always a dominant and a submissive. And sometimes it's not who you think it is. But I was watching it this time trying to figure out who's, who's the dom and who's the sub in this pairing between Billy and Stu. Is it just a thing you do now when you watch shows? When you watch shows and horror movies, and it wasn't clear in the first two seconds, it it, well, so it wasn't clear at first because I was trying because I hadn't watched the movie in uh, a long time, and so I couldn't really remember what the dynamic was at the end of the movie. But at first, I thought, well, Billy could be more submissive because he has a better sense of his uh, emotions, which was something they always said is that sometimes the submissive is a little bit more normal and. They're just they're just weak against the person the other personality, but I think it's kind of clear that it's Stu who's the sub and Billy who's the dom by the end of the movie. Billy's forceful; he's giving the orders, he's telling him what to do, and Stu seems very like, you know, I don't know, he's flighty, he's uns- you know, he's 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 got a little bit of a screw loose, so he's the perfect guy for Billy to control. Who knows why exactly those two? You know, Billy looked to Stu and said, "Stu, you're the guy to help me pull this off," but. Whatever. Well, I'm sh- they might get into that in Scream Three. I don't know. I feel like um, I remember learning that um, Lee Schreiber comes back and he gives a lot of convoluted uh, uh, plot as to how this all happened over three movies. But uh, but anyway, it's really interesting. Um, there's been a lot of analysis over the gay coding or queer coding of Scream, 
and uh, writer Kevin Williamson is a is a gay man, and he said that uh, as far as Stu and Billy go, and whether or not there's a homoerotic relationship there, uh, he said it's accidental, but he's gay. So he, so he said, so you know, it might be a little bit, um, but not intentional on my part, but just you know, uh, there's a little bit of something there. And Matthew Lillard and uh, Skeet have called themselves the uh, what is it the the, the the dads of horror or something like that at this stage of their life um, or something. I can't remember what, how exactly they phrased it, but it was something scream like that. dads. They're the scream dads. What do you think about that? What do you guys think about Billy and Stu as, uh, as characters, as uh, their dynamic? I think their dynamic is again, uh, you know, going back to just the general clumsiness that they bring to it and the erraticness. It is just because they are regular old schmoes, right? Like they're just, psychopathic teenagers who would absolutely even if they had this planned out to a t execute it like idiots like that's just the way that it would be so um yeah i think the first one was such a controlled thing but then as you see you know they find more resistance even as soon as drew barrymore and her character tried to resist you know they they got their butts kicked a little bit you know she was able to outsmart them and get outside the house because they're just regular old people trying to scare it so um I think that the way that they handle it and the way that they thought it out was where they're like, they show their psychopathic tendencies is like, or at least Billy, you know, he thought everything through and then he has to rely on this puppy dog of a stew and, and things kind of go awry here and there. Um, but I think the way that they play each other and the way their dynamic works, um, it makes a lot of sense. And again, um, he has to be the sub or Stu has to be the sub just because I mean, he goes along with some stupid stuff that if Billy wanted to, he could easily have just let Stu go down by himself. And truly, and, and B- Billy walk. Billy away. is the dominant one in the duo because it, he has the motivation um, because of Nev Campbell's mother. If you believe it. Well, if you believe his motivation, yes, that's true. Yeah, um, but I—I I mean, I agree with what you guys said. I think I—I I, I do like their dynamic because, and this is just more compliments to what I like about the writing and how it's a—it feels like a, a, a meta look at horror films. Is that the the killers are the person you most suspect, and arguably one of the people you least suspect. Uh, Billy is so suspect that he's a literal suspect in the movie for a good chunk of it uh, before mm-hmm. he's eventually uh, vindicated, seemingly. And then Stu, or, uh, yeah, Stu is just so goofy, I guess, and aloof that y- you're like, well, it's not him. He's he's not serious. He He couldn't... He's he's the comic relief guy. You just don't see him typically as the killer. So for it to be both of them is something I really like, and I think that they pair together well like that because you also don't think of those two characters as being close within their friend group, if that makes sense. Yeah, because they kind of seem like a little bit, like in their friend group, they do seem a little antagonistic like towards each, each other at times. they're the opposite ends of friend group, yeah, is what mm-hmm. it feels like. So... And neither of them really seem to like Jamie Kennedy. I'm not sure why he hangs out with them. You know, I don't know. The movie love, I guess. He probably gives them discounts at the film yep. store. That's probably, that's probably true. Blockbuster. That's probably not true. Blockbuster. Um, another element. Do you guys have any favorite deaths that Ghostface did? I mean, like, that stand out to you? For me, outside of the iconic one, right? I mean, Rose McGowan dying in the That's the one yeah, I just... wanted to say. Mm. Yeah. I mean, on, there is no other. You can say it, too. Let's talk about it. It's a great one. Yeah, there is it, no other. It was it, that's one of the things that scarred me. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a terrifying way to die. It is. It and, is. I mean, funny in ways, but terrifying. But it's one of the best because yeah. of how creative it is. Like, it's just ugh, you don't you just don't think of that kind of thing, you know. And so yeah. then to watch it happen and for her to just hang there afterward was. Especially for the time period, like nowadays, it's like oh, I've seen Jigsaw do ten times worse. Yeah, but not in nineteen ninety six. 
mm-hmm. it was pretty brutal to be killed by your garage door. Yeah, and your neck snapping and all that. Right. Um, I was reading earlier that they actually had Rose had a hard time staying in the, the the kitty door, so they had to like nail her in there so that she could she could balance in, like not by her skin but by her clothes. So her she's like nailed into the door <laughs> to so that she can hang in there long enough for it to ride up, and then obviously wow. dummy after that. But that's right. the one that stands out the most. I mean, most everybody else. Uh, uh, you know, for for the sake of saying something different, I'll say um, Henry Winkler because uh, ah. he's he's like looking around. You know, he's trying to find these guys. I can't do Henry Winkler, but he's coming around the door. Hey, you know, and it's not working out. And uh, and uh, but he gets it. I. You know what's funny? As a kid, I remember him being stabbed with his scissors. Like his those scissors that he was threatening the other two kids with, but it was a regular knife, and so I was kind of that. that what a weird effect that was in my brain. Another favorite death of mine is uh, Stu, who gets killed by what he loves—the television. That's true. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great one. Um, not a death, but I love when uh, Skeet Ulrich uh, throws the phone and hits Stu in the head with it, and. <laughs> Stu yells, you hit me with a vote, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. Because Stu's like dying, bleeding out right there. Just just can't, he's just not going to make it. Um, yeah. Josh, you also mentioned a couple of times the meta-ness of this movie, and I feel like we got to get a little more deeper into that because, again, this is made by Wes Craven. There's several references to Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. There's several references to Freddy Krueger. There's several. Ref- I mean, Jamie Kennedy goes. Through he that appears whole in the explanation movie. of the film rules. I mean, like this for anyone that is an, a fan of films, horror mm-hmm. specifically. I mean, this is your opportunity to nerd out with, alongside, the master of horror himself, because you know that he has analyzed these movies and he had this thought and he monologued this at some point in time and he gave it to this character to uh, to put into this movie. That's what I choose to believe anyway. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't think anybody had really broken down the rules of horror. So, um, so, so I think, honestly, Jamie could have gone on, I think. We could have gotten, there should be like 10 rules, you know. Um, there should be potential or commandments. You know. Um, Wes Craven actually makes an appearance in the movie as uh, Fred the janitor, um, who's dressed very similarly to Freddy Krueger. Um, so that's a, that's a fun little appearance by him in his own movie. You know, for the time, I I don't necessarily know if I would consider him like meta, but like, again, Freddy Krueger, the original, he had, he was like, you know, so pop culture-y, so like quippy and snippy. And he tried Mm -hmm. to use this attitude and you feel that in a more mature kind of a way in Mm -hmm. Scream. If, uh, you know, again, I was a big fan of nightmare on elm street and freddy krueger mm-hmm. um but i feel that snark and i feel that sarcasm and that that just that same kind of attitude in this just again more grown up more refined and yeah more, um mature well, and there's the killer great, who talks is yeah I, I was gonna point out jamie kennedy's death in this movie it is a great self-referential bit where he's watching well, he a horror die. movie on television mm-hmm. and he's criticizing the wood the soon to be victim over how they're acting while he's literally mm-hmm. living in his own horror movie and doing the same thing and it's like Wes Craven was like yeah. mm, David I heard you talking about Ghostface being all clumsy I heard you and he's like mm-hmm. um you know a little shout out as well to uh, poor poor Kenny the cameraman you know um, what he didn't deserve to be talked to by Gail Weathers like he honestly like she did. it's it it's proof that Kevin Williamson or something like that. It's proof that Kevin Williamson, the writer of this movie, has never hung out with a photog on a camera crew. <laughs> they don't take that kind of nonsense. Hey, maybe in the nineties, <laughs> Gail Weathers. <laughs> oh, he was that show. You know, another another weird memory of mine. I remember the moment when they find Kenny being dead. I remember like the van door opening and like guts spilling out of the van. But it's just like a couple of drips of blood. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what my memory, my imagination ran wild with me in 1997. Maybe it was those bloody windshield wipers. It might have been. When she turns on the van. Because they're kind of green. I just remember the guts and the blood and it all being together. Um, and I just, I, in my memory was like, she opens the door and it's just It was blood just worse than out. your childhood, I think. 
It was. It was. Kenny the cameraman played by uh, 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 where is he here? Oh, anyway, he was on Deadwood. I liked him a lot. Anyway, <laughs> in Deadwood, uh, you liked him. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's good on Deadwood. Good, good for Kenny. Good for Kenny. What do you guys think about? We got to talk about the ghost face. Face. He's become iconic now. And you know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to spit out facts like I know the full history of it. But from what I understand, Ghostface is based on a real mask that was made by a toy company. Um, that basically the movie Wes Craven and the production company worked on a custom mask with this toy company to create Ghostface. And that's how Ghostface was born. I thought that was interesting. That's amazing. It's kind of amazing. I, um, I didn't know the movie uh, blatantly just gives it to you that, um, it's a very common costume. You know, Dewey goes and finds, he goes, you can buy like dozens of these things down at the store right now. And and that never, um, occurred to me ever. Uh, As a kid, I missed that, uh, that, that, that element is that it's just a really common costume. I always thought that like, you know, Bill and Stu or Billy and Stu made it, you know, somehow. Um, or that it was like a special costume, but no, it's uh, it turns it over and it says Father Death on it, you know. Uh, so like in universe, it was a super common costume, like you said, Josh. The costume company who just makes regular Halloween costumes worked on it, so it's not meant to be a super elaborate costume. It's a simple anybody could buy this kind of type of thing. Yeah, it certainly is become iconic. I think it's a great mask for terrifying people. I mean, you, it, it, because it is so common, because it is so covering, mm-hmm. you can always ask the question, who is Ghostface? It, is, it can be anybody. It makes it ripe because it is the way that it is. Um, it is ripe for a copycat. Mm-hmm. Um, it is easy to do. It is easy to pull off, and it makes a ton of sense. Um, I th- also think that it makes me, because it's called Scream, the open face, it makes me think of the painting, which is just even mm-hmm. more fun. Yeah, the stretched um, out. I'm sure that might be on in some kind of intent, but like, you know, it calls back to that iconic piece of artwork, and then I think it makes it even more interesting as a, a, a mask to see when you die. And as we've seen, you know, you can incorporate a knife into it if you're doing, if you're doing like artwork with it, you can incorporate so much into just the simplicity of this triangular stretched out face. Um, <clears throat> I have, we've seen a lot of variations of it over the years. I got to say, I'm not really scared of it as a, in a film anymore. When I see people who wear it at Halloween, I'm like, I'm not talking to you getting out of here. Um, but, uh, I you know, know my least are. favorite one, I don't know. Immediate distrust, red flag. Uh, if I see someone walking around with a scream mask on, uh, ghost face mask on, uh, it was a, it, Two other things. I, there, we saw. Have you guys ever seen the version of it where it's like plastic and there's like blood liquid like that rolls yes. through it? Yes. Not a big, not a fan of that. You know, like the bloody Get, ghost face. So. No, that's terrifying. Also, I don't know if you guys remember this. Almost, uh, probably, at least two five percent of all video game players like that was their gamer tag was like ghost face something uh, uh, for like years, years. Isn't that's there a funny. rapper? Ghost with Ghostface, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if the relationship so, is there or not. Yeah, who came first? I don't know. They were cousins. They were cousins. <laughs> oh, there they you were go. Cousins. All right. Well, we we've been talking about Scream for quite a while. So, are there any uh, any other big parts or favorite moments or any any other like biting pizza pizza biting pieces pizza. of information you just had to share or talk about? Um. No, I mean, I, I also wanted to compliment Nev Campbell. She's good yes. in this. Um, a great final girl. Um, Matthew Lillard, great in this. Uh, I, I do like that. Um, I like that there is a seed planted clearly early on. Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson knew they wanted to do more of this, so they plant this seed with this Lee Schreiber character, Cotton Weary, as the person who killed um, uh, 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 Sydney's mother. They knew they were going to pick that back up somewhere along the way. Um, and I like that this movie really just kind of, it's just, it just ends it just like, it's again, a lot of good, a lot of good horror movies. They just, they just end. There's not a lot of like kicking around resolution. No, you know? it has There's to just, just end whenever it's... the killer's dealt with, you know, That's the end mm-hmm. of the movie. and then you get a little flash of ghost face right before the title card comes up. Um, 
we ought to watch Scream two and three here in the near future. I think not. Well, not for uh, not for so many Santas, but um, no, sometime not. soon. <clears throat> My favorite actor is in uh, Scream two, so we'll get to that, that eventually. He is yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so. I think you will like Scream two actually, because he 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 has some great scenes in that. Uh, anyway, okay, well that's Scream. Clearly, we all loved it. Uh, how did it do box office wise, David? So um, box office wise, it was a little bit crazy. So um, there was a, apparently a lot of, lot of uh, uh, disgruntlement between Wes Craven and the studio because they decided to release Scream uh, December 20th of 1996. Not a Halloween release, not even really a November release, but a Christmas weekend uh, or pre-weekend release. And um, the studio is going to be bad. No, the studio actually looked at the thing and they said they looked at October, I guess, and they decided that there was so much competition there that it'd be better to have some counter programming in December. And it actually, according to Wes Craven, kind of looked at it as it was the right move in the end um, because uh, Scream opened the weekend of December 20th, 1996, and the number four spot was $6.3 million. Um, there was actually one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine new movies in the theater that weekend. Um, the number one movie of the weekend was Boy, Beavis and Butthead days. to America. The number one <laughs> movie was Beavis and Butthead to Get, America. That's right. This is a different world. A different world. This is a pre-9-11 <laughs> and a pre-COVID time. This is MTV oh, rules right now, okay? Because Beavis and Butthead to America was number one, followed by Jerry Maguire in its second week. Uh, 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close, the original Disney live action reimagining, if you will, uh, in its fourth week with 6.9. And then right behind Scream in the number five spot was One Fine Day. This is a movie starring George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer, a little romantic comedy for you there. Never heard of it. Maybe save it for our next rom-com month if we ever do that again. Yeah. Um, now, 6.3, number four opening. You're thinking, no, nah, it's not a huge opening or anything. But the movie would churn along. It was next week, $9 million at the box office, $10 million at the box office, seven, seven, four, four. It just kept chugging along. Um, Wes Craven said it ended up being the right call because you look at the movies that were out and the audiences, the demographics that were going out, the demographic we were shooting for, they're going to go, I saw Beavis and Butthead, now what? Uh, let's go watch Scream. So it ended up, you know, ended up working out. It was good alternative programming to what they had that Christmas. Interesting. Um, the movie would go on to make $103 million uh, in the United States, $20,000 only overseas, didn't do a huge international release. That really didn't become popular until like 98, yeah. 2000, the international release. So $103 million, it was one of... Um, 15 movies to make more than $100 million in 1996. Number one, we were just here to talk about The Craft the other week. Number one movies, Independence Day, followed by Twister, Mission Impossible, Jerry Maguire, and Ransom. This has become our sixth time visiting the year of 1996. Um, with uh, Jingle All the Way, First Contact, Muppets, uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Those are some of the other movies. And of course, our favorite So Many Scare, The Frighteners. Uh, those are some other 1996 films we have reviewed in the past if you want to check out any of those podcasts um that's all i've got for scream um i was gonna tell you how it's uh, it's so it to date it is the highest grossing of the scream franchise um when you adjust for inflation so uh it is kind of still the standard um they've been trying to recapture it and, and sometimes they they get close but i think it's a hard it's hard to beat the first one sometimes so I'll throw it to the letterbox game. It can be. It, that's definitely true. Okay. Let's hear from some of the most popular reviews on Letterbox for the movie Scream. We got, first up, five stars from Muriel. When he tells you the exorcist reminds him of you. Heart, heart eye emojis. Uh, rule number one, don't pick up the phone. Four and a half stars. Uh, four stars from Kennedy. I relate to Randy. Because I, too, scream at everybody about the rules of cinema when it is not appropriate or asked for at social events. <laughs> <laughs> he pauses the movie. And then... What fi- are you doing, man? <laughs> Finally, four stars, killer. Uh, what's your favorite scary movie? Me. I don't know. Check my letterbox. <laughs> there you go. Check my letterbox. <laughs> there you go. Gee, that's a good one. All right. Based on these, 
fun reviews. What do we think? What do we think? What does the Letterbox community think about Scream on a on a four you're, you're five scale basis? This is a tough one, man. It is. I I'm gonna make you all decide. I'm gonna go with a three point nine. Mmm. Mmm. Josh. Oh. Um. Okay. I'm gonna go with. Three point six. Three point nine. Well, I want to delete. Uh, let's get a tiebreaker ready because I'm going to go right between both of you and say three point seven. Three point seven. Okay. Okay. We got three six, mm. three seven, and three nine. Wait, man. I really hope the three six, three seven, and three fan. nine. Mm. Yeah. So there yeah. is no tiebreaker necessary, actually. Let, well, there might be one for me and Garrett. You hope the Letterbox community what now? Really likes mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I, I can say we don't. We don't need a tiebreaker. We don't have a direct hit. Mm. Uh, and the Letterbox community does like it. This is movie is at a four point So that's so. So Garrett wow. wins this one by by choosing the highest. I didn't feel great wow. about the low, my low pick, but. I just wasn't sure if it would push over the limit or not. You know, yeah. my my first instinct was 3.8, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted to go a little lower yeah. um, just in case. You want to know, oh, my first instinct was a, it's probably a four-star movie, but I'm going to make you all make that decision. Oh, you jerk. And if one of you gets it, then you and deserve neither it. of us were brave enough. David, neither of us were brave yep. enough. <laughs> no, I wasn't brave enough. I didn't think it was going to be 4.0 or higher. Um, I was I pretty confident really in that 3.8 to 3.9 range. I was to it. Um, well, Garrett. Of... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm still in last place. Garrett, that brings you up to nine wins. Uh, it brings you up to eight wins, nine total points, because you had a direct hit earlier in the year. Um, you're just behind Josh, who's at 12, and I'm at 15. Anything can happen. We still got at least eight more movies this year. So uh, it's Maybe. a it's a foot race towards the end. Yeah, yeah, we scrolled close. along most of the year, but it's finally turned into a race. Uh, I, w- I listened to um, one of the first couple episodes of the year, uh, just a little earlier today, oh, really? and uh, the score was two to one to one. And I said, "I got the lead on you guys right now." And Josh said, "Hey, a lot can happen in a year." It, it did, and so. it didn't at the same time. Yeah, there was a. The, it's been the, an up you, and down year for the Letterboxd. The, you, you maintained the lead, but the other numbers mm-hmm. there was some weirdness. Uh, all right, well. Boys, what that is a cap on on Halloween on are, so many scores. What are our, what, what, yes. What are our scores? What are our scores? <coughs> we always forget that. I mean, I don't have to think about it, honestly. To me, truly, it is a five-star film. I don't feel the need to defend that. No, I don't think you should. I'm going to give it a four and a half only just because there was one part near, like, middle where it kind of got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm ready for this to kind of get to the next uh-huh. step. Um, yeah. It was just a little bit, it was just a skosh. Just, I mean, if I'm, I'm just picking bones here. It's when they're at the grocery it's, store, it's isn't it? Yeah, there's just a piece where it's kind of like, all right, we can move past, we can fast forward just a little bit and get to the next part because none of this I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really the only reason. Um, and I'm just going to go one more lower. I'm just going to go four. So four, four and a half, five, I think for the three of us. I'm going to say four stars. Enjoyed this movie quite a lot more as an adult than I did as a kid. Uh, I'm kind of interested now in the lore and finding out what happens next. Um, uh, we talked about a couple of movies that have inspired, we were inspired by this already. We talked about I Know What You Did Last Summer um, by, about a year ago, and you can really tell that this was the better <laughs> of the two, <laughs> Yeah, just watching them. Yeah. So four stars for me. I quite enjoyed it. All right. Well, we got a nice little stair step there then. Four, four, four point five and five. Uh, I dig mm-hmm. it. Uh, okay. Well, that yeah, that is that is scream. That is the end of so many scares. Twenty twenty three. We will give David another eleven months break from horror films <laughs> before we subject him to it again. Thank goodness. He hopes. He hopes. A I made it without being that scared. Exactly. 
That's that's always the goal for you, I guess. I'll tell you what. My wife beat you guys out because she made me watch Hereditary. I heard. We heard that, you know, you've, you've been watching some scary stuff off the show. So, I, mm. peace be with you or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Whatever you need on your side. Um, we'll be back, though, uh, in November. Just next week is November. For Really, just in a couple of days for how we're recording this, mm-hmm. but... Uh, we'll be back in November with some new episodes before we kick off so many Santas in December to wrap up the year. So lots of exciting, fun stuff still coming up. Be sure you subscribe or yeah, subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts or on YouTube, uh, whichever one you're not on. Go to that one and subscribe there too, uh, because why not? Uh, but then also go follow us on social media so you can see what we're doing, get clips of the show that you may have missed. Uh, and find out when you can participate in some of our polls so that you can help pick the episode we talk about, just like we did this week when everybody voted Scream over Friday the 13th. So will we get to do Friday the 13th next year? I don't know. Maybe. We probably won't do it before then. It would be a weird movie to do out of November. But you never know. So go follow us wherever you are on social media. We're probably there too. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Threads. So follow us there at So Many Sequels or at So Many Sequels Pod. Search either one. You'll find us. And at SoManySequels.com, you can get past episodes, listen to our former So Many Scares months, and see the other movies that we've talked about. And uh, just every everything else we've talked about, you can find all that there, as well as links to our social accounts. Uh, again, that's SoManySequels.com. We will see you all next time with a non-Halloween-themed movie. <laughs>